0: Christmas.
1: What did you call me? Ha ha ha
0: ha! ha, ha, ha That's ha, a good ha. joke, isn't it? How
1: many gold on Bianpod today?
0: Yes, it's the silly season, and <laughs> God. Uh, boy, have we boy have we got a Christmas present for you?
1: I have heard, but I didn't hear.
0: You haven't heard the interview. I haven't heard the
1: interview because I wasn't here, but. Um... I've heard afterwards that it was a juicy good one.
0: A juicy good one.
1: <laughs> that just came out. <laughs> I don't <just laughs> know where that oh, cut <laughs> this all out.
0: Please cut it all out. Nope, too late. Um hey, here's some things that happened just before I interviewed uh Mr. Dave Megan.
1: Oh, did stuff happen. Yeah,
0: two things. First of all, I blocked the toilet.
1: <laughs> How? So, uh,
0: oh oh you oh, know, dear. You know how. Uh, we don't wow. need to go into it. Uh, and then... Um, oh, no. Then the Is it pa- unblocked then, now? Yeah. Then, then the power went off somehow. I don't know. The, the plug, plug that everything was plugged into <laughs> went off.
1: What, from in here? It's yes,
0: working. And then it started working again. Oh. I don't know what happened, but um, that was like with three minutes to go. Oh,
1: no. Panic.
0: <sighs> and then... Uh, that, was, I
1: bet you were flustered. Yeah.
0: Then we had no sound uh, on the on on the Zoom call so Dave couldn't hear me I couldn't hear Dave oh no <laughs> it was a bit of a bit of a oh tearing. I think it's Mercury
1: Retrograde
0: ah so that
1: explains it
0: explains the block <laughs> toilet <laughs> that
1: explains <laughs>
0: everything it explains it all uh yeah um wow what a great interview or what a great guest uh what a great interviewer <laughs> what a what a great interviewer I am I uh, am <laughs> So no, he was incredibly open and honest. And once again, I do these interviews and I just kind of, I always worry that I'm going to hear stuff I've heard like a million times before. But like the whole time, it was like, yeah, go on, more, more. It was uh, <laughs> really fascinating. Oh, um,
1: can't wait to hear it.
0: He's a genuine legend. When you think of um, what he was responsible for for Marillion. For me, he defined the sound of modern meridian Mm.
2: um
0: and what is interesting is how much of that was deliberate Uh, oh
1: wow what
0: i found really interesting i'm not going to give oh that's
1: fascinating but
0: um you know i listened to to i didn't listen to them all because i didn't have the time this morning but i listened to big chunks of what he's done for them, you just kind of go, Wow, that's, that's such good albums! Mm. You know, I put Brave on this morning and yeah, I haven't listened to that in quite a while, and it was just blew me away all over again. It's so brilliant. And then, you know, you look at them all, they've all got, you know, Marillion's best songs on there, you, you know, and uh, that's not to take away from what Mike Hunter's done with them since because. You know, An Hour Before It's Dark is one of my favourite Marillion albums. But I see those Dave Megan albums as defining their sound, kind Mm. of post-Fish.
1: Right. It's like they they birthed their new era of sound. Yes. Yes. Why are you looking at me like that? That's not that weird. It was
0: a bit of a funny analogy. Um, They birthed the new era, well it is interesting you should sound. say that because yeah. dave does oh, use a similar uh metaphor oh, there uh, you go. So it's uh, not that weird no thank you or the, the face you were pulling i think while you were saying it
1: i wasn't pulling a face <laughs> what, what, what face <laughs> you was you're i pulling
0: disgusted with yourself <laughs> no. uh, anyway right look you just want to hear the interview you don't oh, want to hear I us guess, and me talking about the block toilet yeah um so let's just go on with the interview. We'll pop back at the end um, and talk to you then. Bye. Bye. So start at the beginning, I guess. Um, how did you, you start in the music industry? Oh,
3: God. Um, when I was still at school, uh, probably younger than what would be the equivalent of English Uh, o-levels as it was um i set up my own radio station uh pirate radio station because it wasn't legal I, i managed to get hold of an old raf um radio transmitter from an uncle of mine and it managed to stretch just onto the medium wave so i could broadcast on 202 meters medium wave so just below radio luxembourg and um yeah, and we could go it could go a certain deal. We could go as far as my school. So all my school friends would listen and other people got involved and that was sort of the first taster of working with music. And yeah. uh and that sort of as the school progressed, that sort of petered out a bit. And I got more into the recording side. And I decided I wanted to uh, set up convert my radio studio to a recording studio, which is basically right. just in my dad's garage. And um yeah so I did that and then I had no I had no clients or anything so I had no experience I hadn't done it so I went around Dublin looking for bands and just saying look if I can record you for free will you do your demo at my studio and that's kind of where it all started and I must have been about 17 and uh yeah and some of them went on and did quite well and uh the studio got quite successful. It got a lot of play on Irish radio and Dave Fanning used to play a lot of the demos and stuff that we did, which sort of gave us a bit of a name. But then the at that time, Dublin was quite uh, limited in the opportunities that you'd have. There was two studios, Windmill and a studio called Lombard, and that was it. And they were like proper 24-track studios. Uh, so, And trying to get a job in one of those is, you know, it's the whole population trying to get a job in one of them. But I managed to get... I, w- I went up to one of them and I said, look, I'll work for nothing. Just let me work, please. Just let me be on the sessions. And a, a, yeah, a woman called Judra Costello, she ran Lombard Studios. And she, she says, yeah, of course. Yeah, no problem. So I was in that door and that was wow. working. And I was lucky the first few sessions that it was with Phil Linnett with Chris Tanzagrida's producing. Wow. And that was like <laughs> in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so that, that was amazing. That really gave me the buzz then, and I was at the same time I was trying to get a proper job in Wimble Lane but that wasn't working out so well so um eventually, I realized that it's 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 kind of even if I did get a job engineering or whatever in in Dublin, it was limited where it could go because yep. it, it I mean, it's very different now, but back then uh I just thought if you're gonna if you want to learn from the best, you have to go to where they are, and that was london and yeah. I, my my idol at the time producer wise was Trevor Horn. So, I pl- well, I applied to millions of studios in London anyway You know, f- wrote lots of letters and probably got about four replies uh, Did some interviews that were, you know, didn't lead to anything But then once I got this letter from SARM And it was from uh, Jill Sinclair, Trevor's wife And yeah. I was asking if I wanted to do an interview So I was in Ireland, Ar- was I in France? I was in Ireland at this time, or France maybe, I can't remember But anyway, I got back to London as quick as I could yeah, and did an interview with them and that was like it, it was the maddest interview ever, because it was Trevor Horn, Julian Mendelssohn, Gary Langan, Jill Sinclair. Jeez. It, it was like the team of that. Of, <laughs> it's like uh but for some reason I really hit it off with Jill because she was more interested in my family life than my musical life. And yep. we sort of were joking about politics and things, and we sort of got on really well. And then they just offered me a job. And amazing then that was it started from there really
0: wow and, uh, so did was, you it, did you get to watch trevor uh, oh, work yeah oh yeah Were yeah
3: because oh, yeah. I, yeah, I ended up you know you go from sort of making tea for them and then you end up being a tape op and then you end up being an engineer so i did lots of stuff by the end of it all with trevor and, the, and for the ztt label and things
0: amazing yeah. so this is this is gonna sound i mean i excuse my ignorance but what is the difference between an engineer and a producer? How would you define that? Uh, a producer, for me anyway, is
3: basically you have to take what the song is, and you have to take what the band is, and you have to use that. The song with a producer, the final goal is the is the song, and how the song appeals to people, not necessarily how it sounds. Uh, that's if you've got a good engineer he'll look after that anyway, and me, good production is all about uh can you translate lyrically what's in the lyrics into the emotion that's in the music so they're both in parallel and totally linked. Uh, some of that is sonic, some of that is the arrangement, some of that is lyrics, some of that is uh pure music um and other things are just so unquantifiable but it's just like capturing an atmosphere. Yeah. So if you've, it, it's, what works best is a really good engineer and a producer that can be, I know I did both, but uh, that can be quite a bit of a clash at times because it's right. like you're hearing someone doing a great performance, but you haven't even set up the right mic or anything. Well, the producer says, quick, record it, record it. I don't care if it's <laughs> you know." Whereas the engineers go, oh, no, I should use this mic and blah, blah, blah. So you're battling with those all the time. But the fun the fun bit for me was the producing end. Yeah. Because it's it's you you're that's magical because you are capturing yeah. it's your job to capture a moment in time and that's you know that's difficult and it's magical and it's you know.
0: So in I mean in to use a I don't know another another industry is is it more like being a director of a yeah. movie? For yeah, exa- exactly,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. But it yeah, it is and it's called the engineer the cameraman you know effectively yeah. and uh yeah and it's a very close relationship uh you know to, and it's, it's well if you do it yourself then it's extremely close obviously but it's yeah. it means that um some of the engineering parts happen automatically the people the producer understands the engineer and vice versa so you don't even have to ask the the engineer will know what's coming next you know yeah. will we'll know he sees the guitarist pick up the guitar and he's right. you know he's working on a melody, so straight away make sure the amps might up, the machines ready to record. Uh, whether I, I would have said anything or not, yeah. that would yeah. that would be my instinct as well. But uh, yeah, that's. that's so you're, your your
0: first. You, your first experience or contact with Meridian was assistant engineer on Food yeah, Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, what was yes. that like? Because that was famously uh, uh hellish. torturous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. I'll use up my first life on that album. But, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. But it was uh it was a great experience and it did a lot for my conference because uh it was there was such a proactive band. Uh it was all so this drive for, to make this album and it was, it was quite um, contagious yep. and I think that's probably why I got wrapped up in it and got became part of it because what happened was they ran out of time, surprise, surprise, at, at the studio I worked for which was SARM so they had to go to other studios around London and then they asked my boss could I go with them to the different studios so there was some sort of continuity and I knew the tapes and everything else. And uh, so that won me s- some major points with my boss, you know, to be asked to go to another studio because then she got yeah. to charge even more for me. And right. uh, so she was happy. And But it was a great experience because I was having to uh, learn to, to you walk into a studio that I'd never been in before and get it up and running like the previous studio. Right. Uh, as quick, you know, so they walk into the studio and they don't even know it's a different studio, so to speak. But uh, it was, so that was my role and I got deeper and deeper and deeper and as the problem was when they went home at night to go to bed I'd be moving everything to the next studio Jesus. and not getting much sleep and then setting it up <laughs> probably sleeping at the next studio and setting up and you know it, it, it was it was grueling so by the end of it, it it's a you know it, I was physically destroyed um, yeah but but it was it was electric as well you know yeah. because I could I, there's not I can remember lots of it which means it must have been good and exciting at the time mm. you know like specific moments yeah I can still visualise all of it that yeah, would have been very yeah. that was very early on because that was was that 82? Yeah. Uh, 80, 84 84 84 yeah it came out but yeah th- so that was yeah I'd only been here for a year by then really because I came to right. December 82 yeah
0: oh, so, so it was... proper baptism by fire oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of many Jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. So, you but you from there you kind of worked with some really big bands, didn't you? You two and yeah, and Pet Shop Boys and people, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, what well, well, were you sort of always sort of hands on, as in were you in the studio with them every time, or was your work sort of more remote once they'd gone home? Or, oh no, it was, of...
3: it was usually at the recording stage, so they you know, yeah. with bands or whatever, and uh, yeah, because I got. I was very lucky to get quite a good uh, prog pedigree because yeah. I worked with Yes a lot, because oh, Trevor yeah, Trevor was obviously a member at one point. And they did, my first um, session at Sarm was they were working on... John Anderson had just come back and they were redoing all the vocals for 90125. Because yep. originally it was the band singing it, and they had no singer and long story. But yeah, so I got to work with them a lot. And that was and I even got an album after that I got to engineer quite a bit, which was a great experience, and that was kind of that's very closely related to the u two things is' where it goes back to my garage. you're in the most exciting point is when you've got the whole band in the room, they sort of know the song and you know <laughs> roughly rehearsed, and then theys you know they, they count them in and they start playing, and you start recording, and then sometimes it's just absolutely magical. And it just mm. and that that moment is better than I don't think you, in the whole process you can't better that. Uh, yeah. So bands like you two who do everything in the studio, uh, it's more of a rehearsal room than a studio, and and lots and and lots of other people I worked with work like that, and I made some work like that even like Marillion worked like that as well. It's yep. very exciting because you can have a very dull day that's just ticking away, then all of a sudden. You just got this marvelous piece of music or something yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just happened out of nowhere. And Amazing. it's, uh, that's, you know, you can't, nothing better than that. Yeah. That, yeah. So that's my yeah. excitement. That, so, yeah, to go back to that's my ex- most enjoyable part is that moment when the band become one and they, they yeah. suddenly grasp an idea. And it's like, they may never do that again. You know, yeah. occasionally you're looking, you go to see, sometimes I even when I see Marillion, I go, oh, they did they they'll do a live performance of one of the songs and they go that's the first time i've heard it how it was on the first day Oh, you know? really <laughs> and they might be playing different parts and stuff they've forgotten the parts and things but the yeah, ge- yeah. the way it gels you know it all came from the same place so um, yeah Amazing. that's that's what i
0: normally listen out for yeah yeah so capture the magic so yeah. that um that prog pedigree that you sort of mentioned is that why you got the call about brave
3: do you think no or- it's not, it, it's, um, it was because I had done, I don't know which came first. Yeah. I had just done an album for EMI for an artist called Phil Campbell. Uh, oh,
0: great and, album, by the way. I love both his um, first two. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
3: And th- th- so they were th- Fresh New Life and In The Garden. Mm. But um, yeah, so th- that had gone well. And Clive, who was the head of a I think at that point, And also my wife did work for EMI at that point as well, which was kind of a help. (laughs) But because I had, oh yeah, because I did a demo for another thing. I did a demo for one of their artists as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what got me the link to Nick Mander because it was one of his artists. So I got to know him independently of the whole other, my wife's relationship and stuff. And then I think my name just came up and come. Nick knew I'd worked with on Fugazi and, Right. He, he knew things like that so I think they were in one of their big meetings they were ta- discussing Marillion and and somebody had the idea oh Dave Megan he's, he's a producer he's just done this and you know he's actually there's a history so they called me in for a meeting in Manchester Square with the band and that was yeah I was sort of went into shock when I saw them as a sort of flashbacks to, oh no here we go <laughs> will I survive <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah so, so uh, did you
0: uh, did you hesitate before saying yes, or what? What was the process of getting that job? In, no, of course, the, uh, yeah, I was still
3: them? very inexperienced, so uh, yeah, of course, I hesitated internally, uh, but it was also too tempting because I knew I understood what they were about. I didn't yeah. have to work that out or spend time trying to discover what that was. They then had I also they also had a new singer, Steve. So I thought, oh, this is a challenge you know, you're up against the, it's a bit like Bob Dylan, you know, and, and his electric guitar. It's when you get a new singer, it, it's people take a while to adjust. So part of my job is to force that adjustment quicker. Instead of taking yeah. three or four albums, you know, to get it to happen quick and respect quick. Uh, so that was, that that, that that's always exciting because you're, you're, I like to fight a battle that's bigger than just a record. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah so that that was yeah and I could I really got on with Steve when I first met him as well so I thought oh you know th- this could work and it's all and it was all all the discussions about Brave were all very visual and painting pictures and stuff and that was right up my street because that's yeah what I love doing as well so yeah the, the, I mean the confidence side was probably edging you know say no say no but they but the but the other side desperately wanted to do it
0: so yeah. So you you saying that about the the kind of almost forcing that change to happen or where people sort of accept. And obviously Brave is a completely different album to Holidays in Eden. Yeah. So yeah. did you and the band see it as a kind of course correction to a certain degree?
3: Uh well I was given sort of the first brief I was given by Nick Mander was uh they wanted to recapture the original audience. Mm. That was one of the his one of his briefs, say, uh, yeah. and I thought, well, there's no harm in doing that. That's, that's a good thing to do. But we also got to, um, it will have picked up new audience as well. So you can't, don't want to alienate one to get the other back, and vice versa. So you have to somehow find uh, where these two worlds mix. Mm. And yeah. uh, so it was, yeah. It was the, the band didn't so much they knew they had this bit of freedom from the record company to break away from the actual song format necessarily they they were being encouraged by EMI to to sort of prog out a bit so to speak right which is unusual for a record label but, I was going to uh, say I've not heard that no but it was it was very before, yeah. you won't find it in writing anywhere but it was definitely encouraged <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so uh but yeah it was definitely a subplot you know to try and sort of
0: sort of re sort of establish their credentials yeah you yeah know, I mean I think it's certainly uh, I mean work because it's it's now considered one of the pinnacles of of their their output without a doubt so oh, yeah. um it you know job done in that respect so yeah. it took um it took an enormously long time to make was the sense yeah. that when talking to the band uh what are your memories of that process and I know you all decamp to, to France, France
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was... um, Yeah, it was... Because I think one of the factors that people forget is that on that album, the time spent was one of the ingredients because it generated... It affected the chemistry of everybody. Uh, If we'd done it in a week, you wouldn't have got an album anything like it. Uh it was because it was got painful and stretched and you know, everybody pulling their hair out, but everybody pulling their hair out together, you yeah. know, it was uh it was a bit like childbirth, I suppose, for a woman, you know, in the sense that it was if you want something good at the end of it, it's gonna be damn painful. And it's yeah. uh, and time was one of the factors that makes it painful. And I think it was a necessary ingredient. In 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 a way of sort of combining those two audiences, you know, you, the band had mm. to suffer to do it. You couldn't keep everyone happy, you know, it would have to be everybody had to be dragged into the party, so to speak, including myself. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not the quickest person in the world either, which is a big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I trained with but, the slowest person in the world, so
0: it's not, it's not, it's don't stand a good chance of a quick album. Yeah, Mine. I mean, I think the band themselves are kind of glacial, aren't they, in the way they they write? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, uh, yeah. A Perfect storm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how did you? How did you spend? I mean, was it three months you were in in Marowat In the end, yeah. how did you just not not kill each other in that time? I mean, oh, we tried did that, at times. Oh, you oh, there was. Oh, yeah,
3: there was. But, <laughs> I was a peacekeeper for a lot of it. And uh, Mm. there was always a bit of tension between Mark and Steve Hogarth. You know, they'd get really ratty to each other. And I remember having to, uh, (laughs) Steve getting chased by Mark out of the big live room at one point. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to strangle (laughs) him. And uh, yeah, I was trying to keep the peace. Uh, Yeah, Ian's also very good for that. He's very good at keeping the peace. So yeah, he's he's he was on the front line a lot, yeah. but uh, no. But it was it was they we took a there was a break in the middle of it where most of the band could go back home, and it was just yep. me and Steve left, and that's when we recorded the vocal for Brave, Amazing. which wouldn't have happened I think if the band were around because the atmosphere had to be very stripped back and lonely and empty and yeah.
0: So yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's, that's one of my favorite Meridian tracks of all time, oh. that, that particular song. He did it. Uh, I saw him do a H Natural show and he did it with just him and the keyboard recently. And it oh, was yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, lovely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So is that, uh, that sort of sense of, of art through adversity, yeah. is that, the, the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming not, but there's not an element of you kind of almost, uh, <laughs> artificially kind of sort of stoking that and trying to make yeah 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 I've been accused (laughs) of that
3: many a time (laughs) (laughs) mainly by my wife actually right but yeah yeah so it it, yeah because I don't happy people don't make good albums Mm -hmm. I'm afraid not not, well I certainly don't so uh, it's it it comes from pain Uh, you know you can pop pop music even pop, pop music a lot of it comes from pain you know, yeah. it, it's the the good, deep stuff. And um, it's a far more creative period yeah. than a happy period, definitely. I think uh, the history of music proves that. But, um, yeah, but sometimes I definitely create it. Sub- right. Sometimes subconsciously, <laughs> you know, because uh, I know on other, mainly, uh, especially on other projects, uh, where I'm working with someone who's like with a singer, I can guilty of getting them depressed so to speak wow it's not something to be proud of my wife tells me but um <laughs> but yeah so it's because if they, if they want to feel what they're writing especially when they're writing lyrics and stuff it's not yeah pick them out of the air it's like you got to and especially like with marbles that's that's the one thing that i adore about the album is the lyric content yeah it's,
4: it's well i was so going to ask you for, about that
0: yeah, when yeah. we got to Marbles. But oh, I'll yeah, sorry, sorry. Now, oh, no, 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 no. it's all good. I'll ask you now, because while we're on it, because I know H, at a point, sort of described you almost like a sort of spiritual guru or kind of almost a therapist. How much of that is you as a producer and how much of it is you as a mate kind of being a, a sounding board?
3: Yeah, it, it's both, because they're not really separable, because I get mm. so involved in the music. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't... I, you stop seeing yourself as a producer, so to speak. You become yeah. another person involved in translating this song into something that the spirits intended it to be, you know? And, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not even from a production thing. It's yeah. I think that's.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, th- well moving on to uh, afraid of sunlight, which oh, yeah. is, is a very different sounding or feeling album. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. brave. Uh, was that, I know, and I know there was pressure from EMI to make it relatively quickly, but ha- was there much time to sort of sit down and go, what are we trying to achieve to this? Do we want to make something that's a counterpoint to Brave, or did it just happen the way it happened? Yeah, well, it, as usual,
3: before every album, we all sit down and we just say what the next album's going to be like. And then, yep. of course, it's nothing like that. It, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it goes its own way. And Afraid of Sunlight was exactly that. You know, I, yeah. I can't remember what the conversations were, but it certainly wasn't anything like what it turned out to be. And, yeah. Uh, no, because I do love that album. And, it's probably,
0: uh, push comes to shove, my favourite Marillion album. I yeah, think. I really, uh,
3: it, it survives, yeah, it, it, it's it's special that one, and it's, it was done relatively quickly, but, with the same amount of thought, uh, it's just everybody was busier, but right. everybody had more, because then it was in their own studio, uh, and their own homes, Everybody was given projects all the time. So it was like, um, it, it probably took, in work hours, it probably took the same as Brave, but there were so many people working on it, you know, it, it looks faster. But i debate if it was actually faster or not. It's just that we never right. moved. We stayed in the one room. Uh, everybody had technology that could work, and Mark could work all his keyboard parts, whatever, at home before he came in. You know, it, it was te- it was technically a lot easier to make. And uh but it was it's it's very bizarre because uh tried not to make it like a concept thing like Brave mm. But uh That was about the only conscious bit I think is is it didn't have to be connected. Mm. But on some levels it is all connected so it, it's
0: lyrically there's definitely a yeah, thing yeah. throughout. And, was that was that where Steve H was at the time, do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, and, yeah.
3: Yeah, and it, it was um yeah, and it was it was interesting because it was the first time we experimented with um Afraid of Sunlight and Afraid of Sunrise. So you have the same sort of thing, lyric appearing in two places. And that was the first time we'd done that. And that basically is a lesson to anyone in songwriting and producing. Uh how do you take the same lyric and make it mean two different things? Yeah, and it. uh And it can mean two different things. And that's down to Steve. It's not down to the words. You don't have to change any of the words. It's down to the music behind it, of course, as well. Uh, And the way Steve performs it. Uh, And that was a a great moment of experiment, I think. Mm. And uh, Yeah. You know, which was... uh, Yeah, which sort of shows itself... Oh, keep mentioning marbles. Marbles again. But, yeah, it it shows itself in there as well, where we use the same idea twice. And, you know, it's... uh, it's it's not every band can do it, but it's something they can completely unload one version and completely appreciate another version and not get and there's no confusion between them. Yeah, and that's something special. And I, I really enjoyed that because I had never done that before.
0: Yeah, so that always I find um, weird about Afraid of something Like, Weird, probably the wrong word. But you've got parts of it that feel really experimental, like Cannibal Surf Bay, yeah. Beyond You is very different. And yeah. yet, as a whole, it feels really coherent as an album. How much of that is sort of a happy accident and how much of that is by design? No, it, it, it's not a happy... It is a happy accident, in a, but it's
3: literally down to the fact that we were locked in the one place, mm. all of us, for a certain amount of time. And it, it had a it had a feeling or a smell or an atmosphere... That sort of washed itself into everything. You couldn't. It's weird, but you you say, "Oh, Beyond is different," but it's not. It's it's mm. if um when you were in the room with it when you were recording it, it it, it sounds like the room. You know, there's bits yeah. in it where you can hear the shutters r- rattling. You know, where all this, the, the the racket club stock is held and things like that. It's all, all that drove that atmosphere, and it's mm. because it's that room. So it's not. It's far more interlocked or, you know, similar to each other. It's all fed by the same energy, which is uh, its strength, I think. But all from very different, mainly because the lyric is what pulls it away from the commonality of it, of the things. Yeah. It's, that's kind of what forces you to vary it. But the, the the root atmosphere of it is the same all the way through. Really, it sounds. I can when I listen back to it, I can hear all those songs in that room. Yeah, Uh, you know, quite easily, which you can't really do with a lot of albums, you know, they they come from different places, but that all comes from that room,
0: totally, you know, and it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, you know, it's those, I I suppose those, Beyond You is probably one of my maybe two favourite Marillion songs, the other one probably being Invisible Man, which I'm going to ask (laughs) you about (laughs) (laughs) as well. Um, But it's, uh, I mean, that's fascinating because it has that song, just gives me chills every time yeah, I hear yeah, it. And yeah. then, I mean, I've been to the racquet club. Oh, and, yeah. You know, hearing you talk about that room as having a kind of atmosphere, I kind of go, really? You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. It, it's like a kind of concrete block. It's oh, like, no, kind no, of, no, 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 <laughs> no. When magic. you <laughs> stick that,
3: that, that group of people in there, it, yeah. it's different. It's very different. And especially when it's at night and it's. Freezing outside or snowing outside, and it's a, it it's it's quite a bizarrely magical place in the middle of an industrial estate. I I would have thought the same. No, this isn't a place <laughs> to do an album, but it it it's so yeah you, yeah you'd have to be there at the time really to sort of. But it's I suppose it's a, it's also a project of all the pressure and everything else, and mm. you know it's 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 all that energy's caught in that room.
0: Were they aware at the time that? Though at risk of being dropped by EMI. Did that affect the album at all? Oh, yeah, probably. But um,
3: that affects most people's albums, you know, because in those mm. days, especially, you were always one album away from being dropped, no matter who you are. Uh, but I realised what had been accomplished by Brave, and I thought, you've got to hold your nerve and you don't want to alienate what you've just achieved. Uh, you want to keep the some of the older fans that came back and you want to sort of uh, hold on to them, but then offer them a glimpse of what's in the future, and where the two yeah. worlds can meet. So, uh, I, if I could see more in the f- in the future, I probably would have even encouraged that even more and paid less mm-hmm. attention to the record company. But, um, but no, it was all it was, it was always there, but. Yeah, you you don't to be honest. You don't feel in control of it because the the songs come and everything else comes, and it's like, mm. you know, you, you're not God. You can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> make you know make uh, them write a different song or whatever. And it, it's mm. what's in the blood at that time. Yeah, and uh, and there are all the tracks that there was lots of other music getting worked on, but that they're the ones that jumped out. And uh, yeah, and I think they they stand the test of time as well.
0: Absolutely. Hundred percent, yeah. So, so we're sort of at the uh, the kind of midpoint of your Meridian catalogue, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not, in, you know, not you know, in terms of how many albums. So, what? Just looking back at this point, what we, what are your personal highlights of the first two albums of theirs that you produced? Um,
3: there's not highlights really because that's it, it. They're always as a whole. And it's said, yeah, I don't see them as individual tracks because I, I, I get, especially when I'm making an album, that's what I'm making. I'm not making 12 songs yeah. or whatever. And if it all doesn't work, uh, then I struggle. Uh, whereas with, with, with um, Afraid of Sunlight, I think after finishing it, I couldn't tell mm. w- what we'd achieved. Uh, when I listen to it nowadays, I go, "God, <laughs> how did yeah. you do that?" <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have appreciated it back then as much as I appreciate right. it now. And it's the same with things on Brave and stuff. And it's like, mm. so th- there's never it's even the band will be the same once you finish an album. There's definitely no highlights because it's it's yeah. taking every last bit out of you. So highlights come years later for me anyway, yeah. and uh, yeah. and they probably change. Yeah, you know, depending how. And that's the beauty of them as well, because it's, um, yeah, they 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 have yeah. a life like that. But uh, yeah. I think
0: that's the yeah, same as a fan, really. It's, it's yeah, you know, absolutely. I listened to all four of your albums again before doing this, and there were yeah. points that I'd, I'd forgotten how good Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury is. It's, oh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, It's often a song I saw, because I always think of Brave as the atmospheric bits and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, those yeah. kind of moments. And then you have, get a song like that, and it's, ah, oh, it's, so good um so yeah you know and it just yeah it changes um yeah have you heard the remixes of those two albums yes um yeah how yeah. does that feel as the person that sort of originally brought them into the world to have someone else go in yeah because no no they're, they're all good and i've I heard
3: them as they were developing and stuff so yeah mm. I, I wasn't surprised or anything and they were all very loyal really to the to the spirit of it and uh Yes, it's not something I could have done myself. <laughs> oh, no, no way, not without serious therapy. <laughs> I would have just found uh, huddled over the desk. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, That's
0: The Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, no chance. But um, yeah,
3: yeah, but yeah, but no, it's good for them to do it because you need, you kind of need to do that, but. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I you know I always listen to the originals
0: though because they yeah you know they're yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you then didn't work with them for a few years. You you yeah. engineered um, this strange engine. Is that yeah right? yeah you, I did you worked yeah. On that. That's
3: did that when did that happen? Oh, you did. Oh yeah, yeah. no, because I was off doing other things and for other late for other labels and stuff and. They they just wanted someone in to mix Strange Engine. That was it. Mm. Uh, okay. And yeah. I met up at them. and I thought, oh, yeah, that could be fun. And then uh, and it was definitely a break from what I was doing. Uh, yeah, and I really, really enjoyed that, actually. And, yeah. Uh, and it was a lot. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of outtakes from that, lyrically. That right. That would get used in the future as well, and bit, little bits and pieces. There was quite a lot of sketchy raw material around that album. Uh I remember always every time going back to Steve. Oh, what about that bit that wasn't used in this and this? And I said so that it, it, yeah there was it was a important one to do because it um yeah it, it has something special that album mm. I can't describe it because I didn't produce it but it's um but it captured something definitely. it, it captured a similar thing though I tried to capture the ones I produce. So, um, yeah, 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 I mean
0: the title track is you know it's it's oh, still yeah, to this yeah. day, I think you know yeah. one of their one of their best songs yeah I love it, I love it, yeah, so, what did you do in those years between uh that and anactrophobia what were you what were you up to uh, so I, well,
3: I spent a year working with a band from Oxford called Animal House. Mm-hmm. which was Sam Williams and some of the members of... It was Loz and Mark that used to be in Ride. It was oh, a yeah. ba- They were all in a band together, and I was just an engineer on that for about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was 1999, wasn't it? So before that, yeah, I was just producing other bands. Um, I, can't even, I can't remember the chronology of it, so I can't remember who came before what. Um but that was the previous project, and that that had been twelve months in Oxford, so it was right. you know I was qu- qu- quite used to the place by the time they uh, yeah. they contacted about strange engines so uh but yeah it, there was yeah
0: so yeah, it so so when Anorak came about, i mean they were it was their big crowdfunding success at that time, oh had. yeah yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. Had that freed them up in any ways? Did you get a sense oh, of them yeah. being different people or different creatively?
3: Oh, totally, because it was a, a completely novel feeling in the sense that... Well, there was two parts to it. There was a novel feeling in the sense that the band regained control, uh, but with that control came responsibility because they were effectively a bank borrowing money. Yeah. And uh, this time it wasn't some capitalist record company you know this, this time you you're actually every penny that was wasted was someone sitting at home waiting for this album's penny being wasted yeah so that responsibility was there so that put it, its own pressure on uh which i felt more than previously anyway definitely because it was like real people that were putting the money in yeah and, yeah uh, yeah. Not, yeah uh record labels so um yeah, but the crowdfunding thing was just, it injected such power because at the beginning of it, it was all really vague of how to do it, how to fund it, how to do everything and how can we actually record it how we want to record it with budgets and blah, blah, blah. And then once they set that up, it just became, yeah, just it was just became fantastic and then they knew they could do it. They wouldn't have to compromise like they did on other albums. They just yep. had to be a bit more responsible. Uh
0: we all did so. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's oh, sorry, sorry, Dave. there you go. Um,
3: no, because yeah. it was. Um, yeah, you wanted. It, we also wanted to give something because it was. It was different in a lot of respects because of how it's been funded and yeah. and everything else. We knew that probably musically and stuff, it should sound a bit different as well. Yeah. It, or whether you had a choice in that, I don't know, but it it would sound different because it yeah. was a, a certain freedom. That isn't bound by some of the old standard rules of commerciality and stuff. So it's it's even less bound by that. It's more the judgments you make are the people who believe in this, which is the people who put money into it. Mm. Uh, can we deliver to them, but deliver them something special that is unique for them? You know, not like another just oh here's the another regurgitation of the previous album. There had to be something. It's definitely experimental, mm. but also. It was definitely a time they needed a stepping stone yeah to go somewhere else, and I think it's a very experimentative album in techniques and stuff mm. that marbles wouldn't have happened if Anirak hadn't happened and a lot of other things wouldn't yeah. have happened it had to be done and also it was it was an album that was was special about that one is that Pete came to life, and uh, yeah. Pete was like the the core energy of that album, and you it was so easy to. Uh, just sort of keep an eye on him because how he reacted to stuff seemed to be the way, the right way. He seemed mm. more in tune than anyone else about the concept. So I had to pay him listen hard, twice as hard to Pete on this one because he really had a grasp of... Because it's a very rhythm-based and bass-based album and it's um it's yeah. because he he was just so focused on what it should be and it was so natural to him and it's like... Oh, he was—he was on fire all the time, yeah. and he was—you know—he's was playing great bass and everything. Else. So I, just, he was sort of the person I bounce off most. Uh, yeah, and he—he he was the thing that held it all together. The rest was a bit of an experimentation, but when Pete did something or said something, you'd know that would be strong enough to hold it yeah. together. It's you know. always
0: been for me, Pete's album that, and oh, you yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like him coming. Into his own. Even if you go back, funny enough, to Fugazi, there were, there were moments on Fugazi where I always thought he had a slight kind of reggae thing oh, yeah, going yeah. He's got on got with everything. some of his rhythms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then you get you get to um, animatophobia, and then you've got something like Quartz, which is oh, yeah. just uh, you know. But it's got such a groove to it. That album, you know, through yeah, the yeah. Wild Rose and oh everywhere. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah,
3: yeah, it's, it's all, it's yeah, it's a, it's a masterclass in bass playing as well. You know, and it's, mm. um, it's and just, yeah, it, it's just. Uh, yeah, no that that was it was enjoy- definitely enjoyable to do, and not as yeah. painful as some of them. Yeah, it was the, the least painful album, I'd say, probably.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that comes across, funny enough. Yeah. There is uh, there's a sort of I wouldn't say lightness, but there's there's so, there's a joyfulness going on in the playing yeah. somehow that, that because, comes across.
3: Because there's no record company involvement, you're allowed experimentative wise. Uh, you knew the people that were putting the money in wanted you to experiment. You know, they wanted yeah. uh they didn't want to put a cap on it. They wanted to do the opposite and let give you that freedom. And that kind of made things a bit easier, I think. Yeah. You
0: know there was... So there were there were a fair few Oh, maybe there weren't that many. Maybe I'm only thinking this is the twenty first century, but the drum machines on that. Yeah. Um how's Ian react when he's kinda of told you're not needed for half the song? I mean oh, was he
3: well a lot of the times. It, what it is, it's a combination of both. So he was needed and there's times he, where it's actually both of them playing but they're right. so tight on top of each other it sounds like one or the other. But, uh, but Ian was never one to refuse a cigarette break. Yeah. You know, especially live. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he told me where he didn't want to play. So oh, yeah, I'll need a cigarette that when we play it live so no drums in that bit. But that's kind of, yeah. Ian's very relaxed and it's, it's it would have been he, he, Ian also had a good view of the whole project and the whole song, not just on oh, my drums, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, he knew what we were trying to achieve, and he knew that it achieved something by holding back on him or whatever. Uh, and it would be more powerful when he came in and things, you know. So, um, now he, I don't think Ian had any, well, he never said he had any problem, but yeah. uh, he, he's a real song man, though. Ian, it, it's he keeps a real, he's like the song police. You know, if he thinks you're getting the song wrong, uh, he lets you know. And then I worry, really worry. There was times during Brave where he'd make a comment and that would, you know, give me shivers because you kind of respect (laughs) when he's talking about the song. It it, it carries weight.
0: Yeah. 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 That's the sense you get that he's sort of the almost everyone's dad in the band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 It's it's like, listen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So after Anorak, you did um, you before you got to Marbles, you produced Anorak in the UK, uh, oh, the, the live, live album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how does that? How do you produce a live album versus a studio album? I've just always been curious about that. Uh, you don't really. It's um, <laughs>
3: you just make sure you know what it what the album sounds like, and you know what it being performed live sounds like, and what you're trying to do is basically not just capture the music, but you're also trying to capture the the ambience in the room you know Mm. in the theater or auditorium whatever it is that that's as much that's as important as the music Mm. although because the 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 music's the same theoretically Uh, yeah. and you want to get capture that energy that they're performing with uh, which will be very different to how it was recorded and you have to try and make that obvious Uh, so on the production level it's not you're not in messing with the songs or anything. You're more messing with, and you've got no control over what Steve decides to sing that night or do that night, or Steve Rodley decides to play on guitar. That's not relevant. It's what, you have to make sure you capture all, and yeah. that, especially if it's magical, like I remember, especially, a lot of that album came from Manchester, and it was just, it was a lot of, um, it was a really good evening. And I was really, it was, we captured it really well, both sides, the audience side. And uh, so it was, um, that's all the produ- production duties were really, making sure, because yeah. uh, I hear so many live albums that it just sounds like the studio album. And there's no yeah. interaction with the audience and there's no, yeah, it, it's it's just wrong to me. So um, yeah.
0: Yeah. A, no, all. I love that album. It's um I've got a love hated thing with a lot of live albums, but that one really yeah, yeah. I thought it was just a great set list and uh just sounded fantastic. So um so um so the big one, Marbles, um oh, yeah. that uh that was next. When you were making it, was there or oh, I suppose first question two parts, was it always an intention to make it a double album? And was there a feeling when it was coming together that that, that it was gonna be special and so significant? Uh, Well, well,
3: it it came, yes, it it was definitely going to be special. Uh, Double album came a bit later. Even the fact that it was all going to be tied together came later. Uh, It was all, it all started off with the usual jamming sessions and Steve had lots of lyrics and trying lots of lyrics. But the thing I noticed was, um, no matter what lyric he tried on, what idea, there was this really strong theme you know which is a man of his age looking back on his life and it's like and I'm a similar age and it's like he's asking all the questions I'm asking myself personally and it's like you can't miss this opportunity because it's like it's, we don't talk about stuff like that mm. uh, but Steve's willing to do it for us so we'll let him yeah. do it and it was so powerful on that level it's, so it was a sort of a selfish level because it was sort of cathartic for me and probably for Steve because he's getting it all out and it's um it 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 was such a strong every lyric was good you know and it's like so all there were certain ones that we really wanted to get in and we try and force music against them and some of them came easily and whatever and then sometimes the band said oh the music's crap but you know they didn't like what they were playing (laughs) but it was perfect for the for the mood, you know, and it's like, oh, just swallow it because it's perfect, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and the same, yeah, yeah, And the same even with Steve. Sometimes he sung something. I drove him mad over the, uh, some of the stuff and it's um, the beginning of Fantastic Place. and about being too quiet, getting him to sing it really quiet and stuff. And, you know, but there was lots of things like that. But then we knew Marbles, that Marbles was going to be a song. Uh, but the thing is, it worked over all these hundreds of different ideas, but it never... If you carried it on into one big idea, it sort of... It plateaued. It flattened out yeah. the whole sentiment. Uh, so then I think what I him to Steve, and we said, well, why don't we... Uh, I said, here's all these bits that I've got you singing this lyric over, and they're all completely different. Why don't we just break them up and have them at different parts in the album? Because they yeah. are like you going back to your childhood. So I thought... Uh, and we tried that. We just cut a few in, and it worked like a dream. And uh, yeah, some we yeah they they they. I mean the la we knew we reserved spaces for some of them, but they hadn't even been written, you know. But we yeah. knew they'd go there because and then. Uh, but yeah, but that that worked really well, and that's sort of what forced it then into the concept thing. Is because you had to, because you were putting them in certain places, you had to then frame the other tracks that came before and after it they had to sort of make some sense of what mm-hmm. why has he gone back to that childhood memory or blah 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 and um, yeah but it, it it was so easy to go and it was brilliant because I loved it because every lyric on it was Steve's so yeah. this was a one coherent idea and uh, I it was great that it wasn't interrupted in, in yeah. the sense of um, there's too much to say and he's got too and, and to then water it down with other people's opinions. So yes. I sort of... yeah, yeah. I always tried to push it. So when we were recording uh, the, the jamming bits and stuff, that all I made my judgments on was how the lyrics sounded against the music. If yeah. they did a fantastic piece of music, but it killed the lyric, I would have gone, no. You know, mm-hmm. because it's just... Uh, it's so strong, you know, and it, yeah. it's, it's got to speak to so many people that... It has to be lyric driven, you know. And that's... How
0: do you how do you f- stand up to someone who, for because I I remember Marbles at the time. I think I think Rother's found it particularly <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Uh, and um, how do you stand up to someone who it's his band, effectively? He's been in the band since nineteen seventy nine or something like that. How do you say to him no? Y- y- well, you
3: know? I know at the time it didn't. I found it quite easy, yep. but i mean since then i've had a diagnosis of autism and asperger's and stuff so uh i now know why it didn't bother me because it doesn't bother me (laughs) it's like (laughs) i have a unique ability uh and i've got two sons
0: with it as well but it's uh my my i've got some with it as well all right all right uh, but yeah so
3: it's so it really works in certain careers Mm. one of which is if you want to be a a single-minded record producer, in the sense that <laughs> nothing, nothing phases you. In the sense of, I don't, I don't get the fact that you're upset by it. You know, it's like it's how it's meant to be, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's tough on other people because there's nothing you can say that will swing me. You know, yeah. and it's, it's really frustrating for other people. But at the time, I didn't know any of that. Uh, but mm. it was kind of. But I think it was necessary as well because I don't think the lyric focus of that album would have happened if it wasn't for me fighting for S- Steve's battles yeah. at times. Because if he tries to fight them all the time, it ends up in an internal war. Whereas if I do, yeah. I'm the villain, and then uh, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm expendable, and that's fine. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm, 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 yeah, no, I am driven like that in the sense that no matter who I'm working with, once I grasp what the song's trying to say. Uh, I can become very focused, but also very narrow focused, and at the expense of relationships with other people and you know, yeah, annoying people and pissing people off and stuff because uh, it might come across that so I'm not listening to what they're saying, but it's you have to, you have to out, you have to be more. It's difficult to explain, but I will only listen to you if you can somehow express it more powerfully than I'm feeling it, yeah. which is very you know it's hard to do for anyone mm. uh either way actually but it, it's otherwise i'll stick to my guns you know yeah. sack me if you want
0: but it's uh it's yeah that's how it is yeah well i'm glad you did because you know the it, it, the, the music speaks for itself and the oh, the, yeah. the the songs speak for themselves yeah, yeah. there's a there's a there's a moment in Angelina where there's this little fluffed note that I, <laughs> I love so much. Oh, yeah, but... It's just this tiny moment and yeah. it's all the more beautiful for it because it's somehow more human. yeah,
3: That is a totally human track because that was all one take on a Friday evening mm. before we all finished. And I was going back to London. Everybody was going back home. One take. Uh, the only thing that was ever, ever done to it was it didn't have an end. It just stopped. So mm. we just recorded a little section just for the very end, and just chopped it in, and that was it. Mm. Everything that's performed all the way through is them playing it live, singing it live. No redo of the vocals, no redo of anything, and it's like it was such an atmosphere. That, yeah, uh, you you know you can't touch this. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what you what more can you achieve? And so so you can't. So just leave it alone. Yeah. So I, I was yeah. yeah. And Roderick was great on that. I mean, the guitar playing is just, you know. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. yeah it, it, and it's so in touch with the lyric and everything
0: else. It's like, yeah, it's classic. Mm. So, could, can you remember any specific times when there were sort of standoffs almost about the music and the. Oh, yeah. Know, compared to what you wanted to do versus what they wanted to do?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, there was one, the guitar solo in Fantastic Place. Uh Steve Well to be used as a like a traditional sort of guitar solo, you know, which is full of technique and stuff. Where I was saying it's you, sometimes you can get more emotion just using three notes and staying on one note longer than it's comfortable and then moving to the next note, and it, it can create a a sort of a, a tear tension. But um so that was a real battle to get him to let go of his ability So I know you're one of the greatest guitarists in the world but I don't care <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, uh, yeah so this this is and even it works because when I hear him do it live it, it it really captures that it drives that emotion that you're meant to be feeling that part in the song and it, it's as good as a vocal you know it's, it's mm. singing it's always technically probably very simple but it's not it, it's yeah. Because it's sometimes what it's what you don't do is what makes it good, and uh, and often times I think the run-ins with Steve were often because he was so capable, uh, trying to sometimes get him to uh, wind down a bit and actually, yeah. but what he didn't realise though was pushing him to listen to the emotion of it and weave in and out of that. Not in and out of the music and the chords, but in and out of the emotion, which is a lot tougher to do. Uh, and he achieved it, you know, in numerous, like you know, Angelina is is the perfect example of. I didn't tell him anything to play, but he yeah. instinctually played around the emotion, and yeah, all I was trying to do was get him to do that in every track, mm. and uh, you know, and it's uh, some because yeah, and that was some of the. Yeah, I probably had run-ins, everyone but Ian, probably at some point, and Pete. Right. <laughs> no, <'cause laughs> Pete always had a solution. Pete would never come in with a problem without a solution as well. Right. So, yeah, yeah, he, he was okay. So, But I'm sure I probably had run-ins with all the others. But uh, yeah. but that's necessary because then they all can dislike you together. And so it, it, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite happy. Again, that's yeah. it, make them miserable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, mm,
0: so it, was it the album where? Because this is the sense I got that, that even though H had done brilliant stuff before, it feels like the album where he, I don't know, stepped up and kind of really took ownership of the band. Oh, was yeah. that? Yeah. The sense yeah, totally. For you? Yeah, and it
3: was it was steered in that way as well because mm. he had such a, uh, a collection of lyrics in front of him every day on top of his keyboard mm. and it was just like this is this is platinum you know it's absolutely mm. gold dust it's it's uh, you know because I, I remember when we were struggling for things like um oh what was it oh, i can't remember anyway but you you could be battling for days over getting lyrics right on a song in previous mm. albums but here there was like it was all done you know you mm. were spoiled for choice and it's just like um yeah, he, he he, and I and he was so it was so honestly written that I just thought you can't mess with this and you can't, uh, you have to make this the top of the the, the pyramid, you know, the yep. the lyric and it's because it's, it's gonna touch so many people and if you can get the music behind that it's gonna touch even more, and, and yeah. I still I mean I can still listen to Marbles therapeutically, in the sense of um not as a producer or or yeah. it's an album I did I can put it on the car and listen to it as me the age I am male blah, blah blah and that's that's why it's about the only album I've ever been happy with when I finished it right uh, really so um
0: yeah but more so even than the 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 other three you the yeah, things you would yeah, do differently yeah, yeah. yeah. because yeah. also yeah, as well
3: because the magic of mike hunter as well because when he he mixed some of the tracks on uh, marbles and he, he he stayed totally in the vision even mm-hmm. not not deliberately well subconsciously i didn't go no i didn't i don't hear it like that or why did he do that yeah. or why did he do that? it wasn't it was just it was different than i would have done it but it was the same vision just yeah. a slightly different way so it's all seamless on that level yeah, I don't skip yeah. any track or anything because I didn't like the mix or something. But uh, no, he he did a great job of sort of getting us to speed up at the end, get it finished, <laughs> which was good. But also also doing it coherently, which under yeah. that pressure must have been quite difficult for him. Which you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't have paid any attention to at the time because I had my own
0: pressures. Right. But yeah, it doesn't sound like an album that has. I don't know, multiple cooks involved. No, not it's, at all. It's, yeah. yeah, it all hangs together. Do you yeah. remember where you were when You're Gone went top 10? Do you, Were you listening to the. Oh, yeah, charts? I was. Uh,
3: yes, yes. I was in my garden, but 10 feet away from where I am now. And it was a summer's day. Well, it was sunny. Oh, uh, I can't yeah. remember. We, yeah, we had a summer? barbecue to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, like, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, and it's just a bonus. But it's, to me personally, I'd be more interested in what people in the fan groups and stuff would be saying more than, you know, what number it got. Because it's yeah. like, they're what's drive it all. And it's like, when you go to live shows and what people say to you and stuff, is, um, it's not based on how what number it got to it. It's how well you did it and yeah. how much it means to them. And it, for them to say how much it means to them, that's like, worth number one anyway. You know, it's yeah. like... So no, but that was good on their level. But it's uh, mm. yeah, and it was a yeah. great build up to it as well, which was very exciting at the time.
0: Yeah, the whole time. I mean, it was my probably to this day my favourite time to be a Meridian fan was when Marvels <laughs> came out. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Was, there was such a buzz. Yeah. <laughs> it was everyone, was we were all pulling in the yeah. same direction. And, and it was poking out, a lot of I people
3: think. in the eye as well, wasn't it? So yeah, it was, oh yeah, <laughs> it, it appealed to the punk side as well. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, last couple of questions. I've got I've, I've got a few, a couple left, but we we'll, will we'll try, try and make them quick, so let you go. But um, I, I wanted to ask, do you feel – this may sound like a strange question. Do you feel Marillion sometimes need a producer to help them identify what it is that they do best? Does that make sense? You know, that sometimes I've sort of felt when they've perhaps been left to their own devices – They've perhaps, I wouldn't say experimented too far, but sort of drifted, uh, you know, too far out of their 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 lane. That they, but in whereas the four albums particularly that you do, they are, I would say that's what Marillion sounds like to uh, yeah, me. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind of sound. Do you think they they need that? That they can't see the wood for the trees almost if left. No, it, 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 yeah, it's it's mind.
3: just it's just the setup in the, the fact of any band is the, mm. the part of the role of the producer is to be the person who takes the flack. So just otherwise what happens sometimes is that uh, one member might go, Oh, well you let me do that on that other song. So I'll let you do that on this song, you know, mm-hmm. or there's all these horrible little compromises that get made all the time. And, uh, whereas if there's a producer who says, no, no chance, I don't want you know, you're not putting that on it. Uh, then they all go, oh, he's just a moody old git, you know, and he's like, he's, you know, he hasn't got a clue what he's talking about. And that's fine because it's all directed at me and not each other. So uh, because something doesn't get used, it's not because, oh, Steve said it or Pete said it or whatever. There's no personal, uh, what do you call it? Um, There's no personal effect of it other than from me saying, no, you can't use it. And then it's kind of they respect it more because it's neutral i've got nothing to gain other than you know and they know it, i'll get grief for it so they must <laughs> you know so uh, it- yeah so that that that's kind of uh regards to their the own devices they they probably will compromise too much uh, and what happens is their own devices one person dominates each idea right when it's their own devices so you have to give everybody else a shot and to interpret it as well and uh that's kind of what it, you have to keep pulling it back into shape. Um, Cause otherwise oh, yeah. it becomes each track becomes a solo album if you're not careful. So, right. You know,
4: ah,
0: interesting. Um, so what happened? Why? Uh, I mean, after marbles, I mean, boy, what have you done since? And if the call came, Mike Hunter wasn't available, would you come back and do another Marillion album? Yeah.
3: Mar- Marbles was a miracle for me Because as I said it was, When I did it I was so happy with it And I'm still so happy mm. with it I wouldn't change a thing uh, So I thought And then a lot of personal things Changed in my life uh, You know I had two sons diagnosed with autism mm. uh, My wife had leukaemia I'd been working away for months on end I just thought And You know I was just Going down with Drinking too much and stuff And, and I just thought and then I also realised I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So um, I thought I'd take a break from it, which I did. And then I started to enjoy music even more again. Because right. now it's like I, I listen to it 24-7 music. Uh, mm. um, I, I can't, I drive everybody mad in the house. As soon as I walk into a room, I switch on the music. I can't handle a room that hasn't got music in it. Uh, yeah. I know more about music now than I ever did, just from Wider listening and things, and it's and I'm enjoying it how I did back in the early days, days in my garage, you know, my yeah. first studio, and I've got back to there. So I'm working on my own music, which I'm absolutely loving, and yeah. also I've done, I do bits for people at times. I did, I mixed an album for an artist called Andrew Poppy, who used to be signed to ZTT, who I yeah. worked with years and years and years ago, and I did an album for him recently. Just mixed it, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, and also, my wife's company, who's run by Clive Black, who was the head of EMI when, at one uh, point when yeah. Marillion were there. But he, they've got an artist, uh, Amy Joe, that I've mixed two tracks for. Well, mixed and rearranged and did quite a bit on. But uh, And that was a lot of fun. But th- these are all things that I... And there's a guy, uh, Andrew Morris, as well, mm-hmm. who's really good sort of Americana-type music. And these are all people that... Um, I do because I love the music, or yeah. I get something from doing it. it. It's not work, and it's not a contract, mm. and it's not. It's just you do it when you do it, and it's a it's a lot of fun, and mm. that's. I don't know if I can give that back up and do something because I know exactly <laughs> what would happen if I went back and worked at Million. I'd end up back in the hotel room, and end up back with the bottle of wine, and then you know it's all we're all back there again, and it's yeah. like no, it, it, it's. I achieved what I wanted. My main goal ever since Brave was to get a whole album with Steve Hogarth lyrics from beginning to end, and that was achieved. And it turned out to be a better album than I thought I could achieve. Uh, so why not? I see so many people my age. You see, especially they go on and do other things, and it just gets worse mm. and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, and it's like <laughs> yeah, they disgrace themselves basically. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to quit while I'm some some bit ahead. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, I don't regret a thing to be honest. Yeah, but so
0: well, definitely... you went out on a high with Marillion. Absolutely, and it's still day.
3: there. It's because it's not. Mm. I can put them all on. It's like I've got nothing I'm ashamed of. So, um, it's a great place to be, you know. Yeah. And as and I'm and my own music, I'm absolutely adoring. And it's like, you know, what more can you ask for? Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: you know, it's, fantastic. It's, yeah. Brilliant. Well thank you, Dave. That was uh that was amazing. Um we've wanted you on the podcast since since day one. So oh, um thank you for saying yes. It was oh, like yeah, you no, no, always <laughs> you're always the person i really, really wanted on. I'm impossible um, to catch, though, because it's like... Um, ah, we caught you in the end. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much. That was amazing. Was um, major pleasure as well. Thank you. Well, that was a good interview, wasn't it? <laughs> you've still not heard it. Once
1: again, here I am pretending that I've heard it, but it's like literally about 10 seconds,
0: 10 seconds after from we intro. recorded
1: yeah. the intro and I still haven't had a chance to hear it. So yeah. I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. I
0: hope you've all enjoyed it. We haven't done an interview in a while. We were obviously meant to interview Edwin, who wrote the latest Marillion book. Yeah, then um, you got
1: COVID. Then I got COVID.
0: But uh, we will try and uh, do some more interviews next year because I always, I don't know, I, as a, just doing them as a fan, learning stuff that I didn't know, uh, I'm doing them for me, really. <laughs> it's just, yeah, i kind of, blowing my mind the whole time if you'd like to say I don't know why you would want to see me interviewing Dave um, I'll put up the, the Zoom call for it on our Patreon
1: oh cool um, so
0: you can watch it
1: the video yes. oh nice
0: yes uh, well the H1 I put up so I'll put that up for our patrons www.patreon.com slash MrBiffo but thank you again Dave for that uh, for giving up your Sunday really not your whole Sunday it was only an hour let's be honest um but <laughs> thanks for giving up an hour on your Sunday to talk to me um because we had a bit of a we were a bit shipped in the night in terms of trying to schedule it and trying to find a day where we could do it in a day when I wasn't dying of Covid and you know etc etc so uh, he was very patient with me um so that's probably it for Pod for this year I think we're going to take um, some time off to enjoy Christmas and New Year's Eve. Uh, we will be back in the new year with part four, the final part, I suspect, of our Sounds That Can't Be Made retrospective. Uh, and then we shall endeavour to fill the rest of next year with more Pod, even though there'll be very little Meridian news, <laughs> because they're not two in next year. I think they're doing Cruise to oh. the Edge. That's about it.
1: There, oh, could you imagine if we did Cruise to the Edge? Yes, I know. If anyone
0: would like to sponsor us <laughs> oh, oh. to do Cruise to the Edge, stop. <laughs> we'll do anything. We'll literally do anything That's you want. That's so not true. Anyone would like to sponsor us to do Cruise to the Edge? We'll do anything. That is
1: not true.
0: It is. I'll do anything. Would you? I mean, en- like anything.
1: Would... No, I'm not going to
0: say that. What? No, no. I'll, no, I'll, I'll even do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you won't because you don't know what I was thinking.
0: Uh, like no, trust say,
1: me, you won't.
0: I'll do anything. You
1: wouldn't do this thing. <laughs> well, tell me what it is was unblock your block toilet with your bare hands
0: yeah i'll do it To do cruise to the edge
1: <laughs> would you? yeah
0: i would go and unblock the racket club toilet no with, without gloves or or utensils
1: oh paul no
0: i would i'd go and do don't it don't
1: promise things like that because now you've put it out into the ether so if i personally if i was you i'd cancel and delete that
0: comment i, I wouldn't i wouldn't i would do that if it meant i got to do cruise to the edge Oh what goodness. would you do? What's the what's, what's the worst thing you would do the to get worst. to go to cruise to the edge?
1: The worst thing. I'm more squeamish than you. Yeah. So probably not
0: much. Would you I'd like? Eat, right. I'd would,
1: eat a s- tiny slice of raw. Onion. Would you
0: unblock one member of Marillion's toilets? Toilet?
1: No, I wouldn't unblock any toilets. I you'd just unblock let it. Piece. I'd you'd let it overflow. Piece. You'd happily
0: unblock. Place, I'd let you? all the
1: toilets overflow.
0: I mean, I mean, if any of them, he's probably the best one to unblock, isn't
1: he? <laughs> He's
0: probably got the best toilet. Why? Well, the smallest poos. So that's
1: not necessarily true
0: because cat poos are smaller than dog poos. <laughs> We're actually oh, having this conversation Jake. on the episode where we interviewed Dave oh. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody!
1: See you in 2024.
0: Yeah. Um, if yeah, we'll, well, we'll come back next year um, refreshed, hopefully, without getting ill uh, over Christmas. Been here now. We've both been here, haven't we? Oh, well. Um, uh, Sounds that can't be made. Then, of course, I strongly suspect at some point in the next 12 months, we're going to have done all the albums.
1: Yikes. We didn't do very many albums in 2023, though. Oh, yeah. We're going to we? go at
0: the same glacial pace. So
1: that gives me hope that maybe by the end of 2024, we would have finished the albums, possibly. Yeah. But we might not have because we're super slow these days. But we're not
0: slow. I mean, we did. If you it, look, we're back, slow
1: at going through the albums. Yes, we're slow,
0: deliberately so. Yeah, because yeah, there were often other things to talk about, and obviously we um, we don't want to finish this. <laughs> we love doing it. Twenty twenty three this year just gone. Uh, obviously, we had a bit of. A, what did
1: we? What album did we start with? I was saying something. Oh, sorry.
0: I was. I was. What, what? What did we start with this year? Yeah. I don't know, um, but. 2023 we obviously had a bit of a a gap in the middle where i got busy with work which was nice given 2022 i was not busy with work um we'll endeavor to keep trying to be weekly because we we do love it we miss it when we're not doing it so sorry for the gaps this year uh they were just it was just impossible to to fit this in um so i don't know how, how many weeks did we miss a fair few um but never mind um, so yeah beyond that I mean we obviously I want to talk about there's lots of things I want to talk about um, there's still solo projects that we've not discussed I want to talk about not the weapon but the hand the H Barbieri album um, we've got uh, friends from the orchestra at some point as well to talk about uh, we've got plans don't you worry we do, we yeah. do
1: have a, a list we have a list in our notes
0: yeah so we were meant to talk about on the last episode that we didn't was Fish selling his rights to his uh, Marillion songs.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: to a a company. Which Lucy assured everyone doesn't affect Marillion themselves right. in any shape or form. Um, but Fish, if we recall... I think it was Mark Kelly that said this on his book. Fish managed to negotiate that he owned fifty percent of those songs,
4: what?
1: whereas That's the other fifty yeah, the other
0: fifty percent was split between the band members.
1: Oh my goodness! Uh, what? That's yeah. huge! That's a huge yeah, amount.
0: But he's got a croft to fund now. He got sheep to buy. He got uh, logs to chop. He's got a roof to thatch. He got uh, peat to dig. Not peat, Travis. Dig you, Pete. You dig Pete, don't you? She's <laughs> just looking at me blankly. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, I don't want to go because it's weird. I, I kind of now I'm sat down. Because you were listening for
1: an hour. Now you want to talk.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got, but it's, it's, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. I should just shut up and let this episode end because people are only here for the Dave Megan bit. This has been a
1: while. We, we could have done a Bianport extra.
0: Let's do Beyond Pod Extra. Okay. All right. Everyone else, uh, if you're not a Patreon patron, uh, if you are a patron, you're going to get a Beyond Pod Extra. If you're not a patron, um, why not? It's only one British pound a month, and one you'll, GBP. You'll, you'll get the video version of this week's interview, and you'll get a bonus episode that we're going to record now because I've got verbal diarrhoea. <laughs> <laughs> At
1: least that won't block the toilet. At least
0: that won't block the toilet. What wat right. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening this year. We love you all. Most of you. We love most of you. Um, and we'll talk to you in 2024. Be
1: Happy good. Happy Yuletide. Blessings.
0: <laughs> ho, ho, ho.
1: Ho, ho, ho.
2: It is Christmas morn, dear The kids didn't get to sleep till four And we were up at five We're badly sleep deprived Oh, today's gonna be a slog And what's up with the dog? He's wretched in his dish He's thrown up half a fish
4: The fridge door's open wide He's had always inside Turkey bones everywhere There's stuffing in his hair He's swallowed all the food The sprouts he has chewed There's tooth marks in. us for
2: Instead of buying that cat's when this sweet perfume, this hound's our smells like a tomb. Dogs
4: can't eat Christmas stuff, it causes putrid guffs, that stenches has fouled our air. It's shitty everywhere.
2: The dog's dying.
4: Well, it's trying. I'm so hungry I could fry em.
2: Now, do you think prawn cocktails are okay for a boy dog? and blankets went right through and,
4: and now the spring is wrapped and the dog keeps breaking wind on Christmas Day Forget the problem hound The family's coming round We've nothing for them to eat No veg, no sweets, no meat
2: Now I've got a Christmas hunch That my mother wants a lunch But I've an idea to try Fetch my sharpest blade, my wife
4: (laughs) You're a madman,
2: I'm a gourmand I'm certainly determined
4: You can't seriously be suggesting that we be butcher butcher, a of pets Yes, I am actually
2: There was, was some meat, meat we had right there It was fine and pumpkin fumes, fumes And so we cooked the, the dog, dog on Christmas Day And there was some other meat, meat as, as, well. as well They were all... So we ate the kids on Christmas Day.